The Lord be with you. The Holy Gospel according to Luke. On a Sabbath, Jesus went to dine at the home of one of the leading Pharisees. And the people there were observing him carefully. He told a parable to those who had been invited, noticing how they were choosing the places of honor at the table. When you are invited by someone at a wedding banquet, do not recline at table at, at the place of honor. A more distinguished guest than you may have been invited by him, and the host who invited both of you may approach you and say, give your place to this man. And then you would proceed with embarrassment to take the lowest place. Rather, when you are invited, go and take the lowest place, so that when the host comes to you, he may say, my friend, move up to a higher position. Then you will enjoy the esteem of your companions at the table, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Then he said to the host who invited him, when you hold a lunch or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your wealthy neighbors in case they invite you back and you have repayment. Rather, when you hold a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. Blessed indeed will you be because of their inability to repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. The gospel of the Lord. Do the words of the gospel. Again, good morning and welcome. Um, you know, as I was preparing for, for um, celebrating Mass and, and uh, reading through the, the scriptures, you know, I always try to figure, what, what's the Lord trying to speak through me? What's the Lord trying to speak to um, the people, and usually, uh, you know, I, I heard it said our, our, our uh, homiletics professor in seminary would always say, preach to yourself. <laughs> preach what you need to hear. And so that's what I've, I tend to do, is I tend to preach to myself, and you guys can listen. Um, but uh, I'm just trying to tell my, like, I'm just trying to tell myself what I know I need to hear in this, this scripture. So, um, you know, when we come to this particular parable, you've all heard this before, the story of, of Jesus being invited to the Pharisee's house. So even, let's just stop there for a second and get a time out. Like, he's, at, he's eating at one of the head Pharisees, the home of the, one of the leading Pharisees. So this is, for Jesus, this is kind of the lion's den. This is the group of people who are observing, and he, it says, and the people were observing him carefully. You don't say they observed everything he did carefully. They were, they were just, they were on the lookout for any kind of misstep, any kind, at any point in time. And, and, and maybe, you know, this is from the Gospel of Luke chapter 14. So it's possible this could have been later on in his ministry. But uh, so they might not have been to the full point of full-blown hostility that they reach later on. But they're watching him carefully. Who is this guy? Right? And so this idea of, of the, the, the back and forth, the observation, at this point, they don't, they don't know who he is. And maybe they're, maybe they're, they're, they're uh, suspending judgment, but they're noticing everything. And even when Jesus, he speaks to that, when he's talking about, you know, if you take the lowest seat, or if you take the highest seat, excuse me, and you're asked to move down, there's the embarrassment that follows that, versus you take the lowest seat, and everyone's going to notice, and they're going to, as you 
proceed up. Oh, this is an honored guest. So he's working with this idea of the observation that, that the people are, are already paying attention to in this social setting. But what is, I mean, what's the, the point? What's the, what's the heart? What's the, 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 really the core of, of the gospel message of what Jesus is trying to say? What's the theme here? I'll give you a hint. When I preach, I try to preach liturgically, and I always, in the the Sundays of ordinary time, there's always a clue to what the the theme is, the point is of the gospel. If you want to know what the theme is of the gospel, read the first reading. The first reading acts like, you know, if you've ever been to one of the sightseeing places, and if there's something off in the distance and you can't really tell what it is, sometimes they'll have those little telescopes there that are like pointed and like mounted in a particular spot to where all you have to do is go look through the telescope and it'll show you exactly the thing that you're supposed to be seeing. You know what I mean? Um, the first reading acts like that telescope. The first reading kind of gives you the hint, the clue of what the theme is that we're trying to draw out of the gospel. So um, in our first reading today from Ezekiel, it says, uh, oh, it's in here somewhere. <laughs> I didn't actually read. The, the, it's laid out a little bit different here. The giver of gifts. Where is that at? Here we go. All right. I'm not finding it here. You know what? I know what it is, though. (laughs) I'm going to paraphrase. All right? But the basic paraphrase is, seek humility and you will be loved more than a giver of gifts. Right? That's the idea. Seek humility, you'll be loved more than a giver of gifts. And really, that's, that is the lens that we're, we're applying to the gospel today, this idea of seeking humility. Now, the question is, what is humility? It's probably one of the most misunderstood concepts in, in all of Christianity, this idea of humility. The word humility comes from humus in Latin. Humus means earth. It means the ground. To be humble means you are grounded, right? When you see people who are off in the clouds and their head is way out there and they're just... There, there's, <laughs> they've lost touch with reality, either, either through their own self-importance or their own self-disimportance, <laughs> their own self-deprecation. Either one of those are an attack against humility. Now, in our gospel today, obviously pride is, is kind of coming to the surface here in terms of taking the seat of honor. Right, this highest place—that's pride. We all we all are familiar with our good friend pride, <laughs> this inflated self-ego, this inflated sense of importance. But what I have found—I um, haven't been a priest very long—but in, in my my years of priesthood, what I have found is that very often at the center of pride, there's a very shattered, very shallow, very fragile ego that we are attempting really hard to protect. And so if I, if I have this persona that I built on the outside and everybody sees how accomplished I am and they, I have earned the respect of everybody else, then they won't know what's actually going on inside. <coughs> That's one sense, an enemy of humility, that sense of pride. And so pride is, or humility is a virtue. 
humility and virtues, uh, you go back to Aristotle, you know, the, the ancient philosophers, they would define a, a virtue as the mean between two extremes. So you have the mean, the middle, that's what a virtue is. And then in every single case of every single virtue, pride, uh, you know, uh, uh, patience, temperance, prudence, any of those things, you got the virtue here and then you have a vice on this side and a vice on that side. And so for the person who's, who lives on the vice on this side, maybe the vice is pride and this inflated sense of ego, you go all the way, really Satan, that was his downfall was pride the deadliest of the de- de- seven deadly sins. But as the person goes further to the middle, they, they approach humility, this groundedness. They are going to feel like they're falling off this end. And for the person on this end, the person who has no self-esteem, no self-worth, they really don't see their value, they don't see their goodness, their purpose over here. As they proceed closer to humility, they're going to feel like they're being prideful. Does that make sense? So, lay all this out for us. And and again, go back to the gospel. What's Jesus attempting to say here? For the Christian who is eager to be in front of everybody else and take that seat of pride, or the the pride of place, the seat of honor in front of everybody else, unfortunately, what comes with that is a undependence on God. I don't need him. I don't need you. No, thank you. I'm a pretty good person. (laughs) I don't need your grace. I don't need your mercy because I'm not that bad. Thanks, but no thanks. And then, again, on the other side, the person who lives in a world where they don't value themselves, they don't approach God. They might know they need him, but they might think, I've got nothing to offer And so that person never even shows up to the feast in the first place. Brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, either one of these attitudes is detrimental to the life of a Christian because it pushes God away, keeps him at arm's length from us. For the person on this end of the scale, the the not seeing their value, what I have found with that is more often than not, there's, there's... Somehow, the enemy has worked into them and they've bought into this lie of shame, of guilt, of fear. It's the worst four-letter F word in the English language. Fear. I don't have anything to offer. How could God use me? And so again, they don't even attempt to offer anything because they've already determined that what they have to offer isn't worthwhile. And I've seen more Christians fall short of, what, of their potential, of what God is calling them to through fear than through pride. Although pride is still deadly. And where the gospel is challenging us, be a lover of humility, a lover of groundedness, to be grounded, earth, earthiness, reality. Some of us need to be taken down a peg. We're on this side of the scale And we need to realize that, guess what? We're not perfect, and that's okay. That false sense of ego that we've portrayed to everybody else, if we do not allow the Lord to penetrate that, and we keep him at arm's length, the sad thing is he'll allow us to. That's called called free will. But the, the price of that 
is to live in that sense of emptiness that comes with pride. And on the other end, if we're stuck in a place where we don't recognize our own value and we don't even attempt, we end up having this whole pile of gifts that are left unused and the people around us suffer because they were given to us to be able to be shared. So I challenge you, whichever, wherever you might find yourself in this, in this uh, balance, in this mix of pride and humility and false humility, consider <laughs> being honest with the Lord in your prayer. I think there's a lot of us that our prayer needs to be, I mean, we, we pray and when we pray, we... <laughs> We try to look really good. We do this in confession too, where there's this falsity that, I mean, it's like when people come to confession, they try to brush up their sins as much as possible. It's like, it reminds me of people when they go to the dentist and they floss for the first time in six months. <laughs> like, the dentist knows, okay? <laughs> and we go to confession and we're trying to, trying to make ourselves look as best as we possibly can and try to downplay our sins as much as we possibly That's pride right there, folks. I'm challenging you to a realness in your faith, a genuine humility that recognizes that you are a sinner, but also recognizes that you have something to offer. I firmly believe that if we had Christians that lived a faith like that, there wouldn't be an empty seat in a church in the planet. That's what conversion means for us. That is our goal, that is our challenge. May we be a people who recognize our need for Christ and strive for this true humility, this true rootedness in him.